Well, we're honored to have Dave McCracken. I know that many of you have heard me quote him many times. Brother Dave pastored the church that my wife, Laura, grew up in. When uh, Laura went off to college, Brother Dave became the pastor of that church. That's when I met him, and uh, he actually performed our wedding. And so I worked for Brother Dave for a little less than two years. And since then, he's been my counselor. He's been my friend. Many of you know he came and preached my ordination here 25 years ago. And I'm just so honored that he and Nancy, Nancy, will you wave at everybody? This is Brother Dave's wife, Nancy. (laughs) And I'm so glad they're here. And uh, I I know that you'll hear him gladly. Brother Dave, come preach to us. Thank you, Brother Jim. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm so happy to get to come back and be here with you. Uh, It is uh, my second time to preach in this beautiful place. I'm glad for how God's blessed and what he's doing with you and for you. You that are new to me, well, you're new to me also. No, I'm new to you. Anyway, I'm glad to see you today. I'm glad you're here. I'm looking forward to what we're going to do. We're going to do this today, tonight, uh, 5 o'clock, and then tomorrow, just two nights, Monday, Tuesday night. And so I sure hope you've already made plans to be part of it, and um, I'm looking forward to what we're going to try to get across Let's do this. If you have a, a ribbon thingy, Bob, if you've got one of these markers, if you would put it in uh, Ephesians, Ephesians is near the end of your Bible. If you don't know where Ephesians is, put your thumb at the end of your Bible, flip real slow. When you get to the Corinthian, stop. It's past Corinthians, just a few pages. Ephesians 2, put a marker there, and then just keep going back toward the end of your Bible and look for the book called Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. So here's what my goal is. My goal is in a little while when I say, hey, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 2, you will know it's almost over. You'll be going, praise God, he is going to finish. And so that'll be Ephesians 2, that'll be a little while from now. And then Hebrews 12 is going to be our text. Actually, it's going to be our text for all four services that we're going to do together I'm going to do some work here. I want to show you a few things, and hopefully it'll be a help and encouragement to you and a blessing to you. And then uh, for you that might not know for sure that you're on your way to heaven, there is a heaven, and there is a hell, and there is a way to get to heaven. And it's through God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And so uh, we want you to be willing and ready. Uh, We... You're aware that we have an invitation at the end of the service. We invite people to say yes to whatever, whatever God speaks to your heart about. And, of course, if you don't know for sure that you're forgiven of your sin, we sure would love if, if God would do this to your heart and convince you, yes, you need a Savior. His name is Jesus. We want to show you how to do that and how to know for sure you're forgiven. But, uh, anyway, just thrilled to get to be here. And uh, grateful for what God's been doing. So Hebrews 12, if you are able, I'd ask you to stand. If you don't mind, please. It's not required that we stand, but over 30 years now, I've been asking people to stand. And here's what I'm asking people to, the reason we stand. I want to remind you and me that we all, everybody should, we should give reverence and honor to the eternal, infallible, inerrant, perfect word of God. 
And um, I believe I'm one of those old-fashioned people think we ought to stand when the Star-Spangled Banner is playing. We ought to put our hand over our heart when we say, I pledge allegiance. And uh, it's a good way just to remind people how God's blessed us and what we have in our hand. Hebrews 12, verse number 1. We're going to read 12, and then we're going to read verse 2, just uh, the first phrase in verse 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I want to have prayer with you, uh, not because I always pray when we finish the text, but I sure do need God's help. And I pray, I'm, I'm wanting you to also pray, God, I'm willing, I'm ready to hear what you have to say to my heart. Let's pray. Our great God, I sure do love you. I want to say thank you so much for loving me, for loving us, for proving that you love us. Praise your name. Thank you. Thank you for opportunity that Nancy and I have to come and be with our dear friends and then to come to Grace Baptist Church again. Thank you for how you bless this place and what you're doing. Thank you for faithful, faithful people. Praise your name. God, I just ask you, would you help me? I ask you for unction and utterance, power. Just help me to be able to communicate what you have to say in your word and what you're trying to do in our hearts. And I pray for those that are not yet born again, that you would touch them in such a real way. They know they are a sinner and that your son Jesus is the Savior. And for us that know you, I pray you remind us, encourage us. If we need it, convict us and that our lives would honor and glorify you. So thank you for what we've already enjoyed. Thank you for what you're about to do. And Jesus, we really do look forward to when we get to see you. And it's in your mighty and holy name I pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Leave your Bible open here to Hebrews. And uh, to go in here just a minute, I, uh, in Christianity, Christianity has several metaphors that help define it or help describe it and help us see it. And I am aware that some in the room would say, oh, yeah, those metaphors, those are awesome. And uh, But there are some of us that we need to be reminded what a metaphor is and so on. A metaphor is a word or a phrase uh, that you would use uh, in place of another one to suggest likeness. Or uh, um, I like to say that it, it gives a picture to help you understand a little bit of what it might be like and so on. It's a metaphor. So now some of you would know that a simile and a metaphor are real close to each other. A simile always uses a word like or as. And then a metaphor would not do that. A metaphor would attach the direct meaning to that. For instance, the soldiers fought like lions. That would be the simile. 
if you said the soldiers were lions in battle, that would be the metaphor. Is everybody with me? And so you're just signing. You're, you're not saying the soldiers are on four paws and bouncing around, but that shows you a picture of how they were fighting. The, the Bible, the Christianity has lots of metaphors that define Christ, or help see Christianity. Uh, an honest and available one that it's like uh, we're a family. We're brothers and sisters. And we have a big brother. And that's a relationship that's a reality, but it's not physical that we get to see it, but it's a reality. So it's more than a metaphor, but it is a metaphor. Another metaphor, I like this one, Jesus is our shepherd. If he's the shepherd, that means we're not. That means we are like uh, sheep. Is everybody with me? And so we're not real sheep, but the, the metaphor about being sheep-like helps see and see the picture uh, of what Christianity is. I like this one. Another metaphor is that uh, Jesus is the captain and we are soldiers. And it's obvious, isn't it obvious that the soldier never tells the captain what to do? Amen? Come on, more than three people can say amen or respond, okay? It helps me if you are, um, give me, uh, I forgot the word, but feedback. God bless you. Thank you, you seven, eight people. That's a blessing. But another metaphor is here in our text. He's saying that we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. The, the picture, the metaphor is it's like we're in this huge coliseum. We're in this big stadium. With this great cloud of witnesses. And it says what the witnesses are, what, anyway, what they're observing, what the arena's about, what they're compassed about it, is that there's an athletic event going on. And in fact, it tells us it's a race. So that's the metaphor. No, the metaphor is about Christianity. And so it's saying that in Christianity, you could use this picture of a race to help describe, define, clarify uh, Christianity. And so... We have this race going on. And so, uh, this morning, I'm, anyway, I'm, I'm just doing something really simple. Just, it's easy. And I, anyway, Brother Jim knows and Ms. Laura knows that. If I'm going to preach it and teach it to people, it's going to be easy and simple. <laughs> so I love it. So this morning, here's what I want to work on. I want to work on, he says, let us run with patience the race. Let us run. Here's what I want to work on. Who, who is us? Kind of obvious who one of the us's is, isn't it? Whoever wrote the letter, the Hebrew writer, whoever wrote the letter to them, they are including themselves because if you say us, you mean me too. If I say, let us go get some ice cream, I'm going to. Amen? So when he said, let us run, we know whoever wrote the book, they're one of the us's. Here's another easy thing to see. Who is us at the top of your book page? It tells you who us is. It's Hebrews. The letter is written to Hebrews. Well, who are the Hebrews? Well, they would be Hebrew people. 
They would be Jews. They would be Israelis. Everybody with me? And so these Hebrew people is who the, the letter is directed to. That's who he wrote the letter to, Hebrew people. And so does that mean that he wrote the letter to every Hebrew person? That if, if you're a Hebrew, this is just for you and all that stuff. Well, it can be, but he does in the book kind of clarify that it's actually written to Hebrew people that have uh, trusted Christ to be their Savior. So he's writing to Hebrew people because the Bible does say that Jesus came to his own. He came to the Hebrew people. He came to his own, but his own received him not. So every Hebrew person is not the receiver of the book. They have potential to be, but they are not. So we know it includes the writer. It includes Hebrew people that receive the book. But uh, I want to show you uh, something else. Look, look back in chapter 3 of Hebrews. Let's flip back a couple pages, a few pages. Let me show you this. Verse number 1. Hebrews 3, verse 1. Wherefore, holy brethren... <laughs> we can stop right there. Wherefore, holy brethren... Wow, he, he, he's given an identification that they are holy brethren. And so just, you don't have to point at anybody right now, but do you know anybody that you would say, there's one of them holy brethren right there. Would you identify, what it, well, I could do it like this. Would any of you want to stand up and go, you're looking at him. I am the holy brethren. I'm the one. Uh, that would be that would be a little audacious to say, "Oh yeah, I'm holy." Doesn't the Bible say we're not holy? There's none righteous, none holy. No, not one. We're all sinners. We're all guilty. There's none that do it good. And for you to stand up and go, wait, wait just a minute. I, I'm the holy brethren. You, you might have trouble convincing us. The holy brethren. However, the writer does say, he calls them holy brethren. Oh, how do you do that? It's in the verse. Look what it says. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers... Of the heavenly calling. Then it tells you consider the apostle and high priest of our profession. Christ Jesus. So the heavenly calling includes the high priest. Uh, and our, our profession is his name is Christ Jesus. Well I love this. So you can become one of the holy brethren. If you are a partaker. If you are a partaker of the heavenly calling, you can now be identified as one of the holy brethren. Amen? What's the heavenly calling? I love it. You could say it like this. It's kind of in red letters. All ye that labor and are heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. Amen? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be 
Amen. Are you hearing it? The spirit and the bride say, come. Amen. Let him that heareth come and take of the water like freely. I'm telling you, the heavenly calling is that God is inviting humanity to be a partaker of Christ Jesus. Partaker of salvation. Here's another way to say it. Partaker of forgiveness. God is inviting humanity. Whosoever will. Hallelujah. Anybody can come. Nobody is excluded. He's saying the heavenly calling. Who? Hey, hey, if you receive the heavenly calling, here's what happens. Oh, you get to be forgiven. But more than that, you get to be cleansed. Wow. Here's another word. You get to be made righteous. No, 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 no. Not with your righteousness. We get the righteousness of Christ. Wow. So I can be made righteous if I'm a partaker of the heavenly calling, if I receive the heavenly calling. And the twin word for righteous is holy. Wherefore, holy brethren, if you've received Christ as your Savior, he could be talking to you. Because you're one of them, they're holy brethren. If you've received Christ, if you've been a partaker, is everybody with me? Amen. Wow. So, who is us? The writer, Hebrew people that have been partakers of the heavenly calling. Amen. Now, don't you think it probably includes... I don't know, anybody today who would be a partaker and receive Christ as their forgiver, their Savior? I don't know if you're getting it or not. You could be one of them holy brethren. You could be one of us. You're one of the us's. I didn't know this happened. I did not know it happened. But in 1963, I was just a young boy in Bowling Green, Kentucky at Grace Baptist Church on a Friday night. I... Didn't know this happened, but I was under conviction of my sin, and I knew I was a sinner. I, we only had two sections in our in our church building, and I was on the fifth pew back there. I'm, I'm not even nine years old. I'm almost nine. I'm hanging onto the pew like this. I stepped out of the pew. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was a sinner. I was guilty. I was on my way to hell. And I knew that Jesus was the Son of God and that he would save me. But I was so nervous and afraid. I didn't. I let go of the seat. And I took a step out in the aisle. And I walked forward. And we knelt down. And I trusted Christ. I asked him to forgive me. Asked him to save me. I believed that he would. No. And I got saved right there. Everybody with me? I didn't even know this happened. I didn't know what happened, but it did. That night, I got the jersey. I'm on the team. Got my name and my number. I am in the race. No, 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 no. When you get saved, you're automatically put in the race. He doesn't put you on probation. He says, now we're going to watch you six months and see if you get to be on our team. No, 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 no. As soon as you get saved, as soon as you receive Christ, I didn't know what happened, but I got the jersey. I am in the race. Hallelujah. Mercy sakes, that should be exciting. If you know for sure that you're born again, that you've trusted Christ, you got the jersey. I know you didn't know that, but I'm telling you, we did. 
we're on the team. I love it that we're not on probation. <laughs> Amen. And here's another thing. This is not even part of the sermon, but you can't lose your jersey. When I was in the ninth grade, I played basketball for our school team and so on. And we had an away jersey and a home jersey. Our colors were green and white. So white was home, green was away. And we were going away, and I lost my jersey. My coach was so mad. He thought I was stealing it, I guess. I don't know. I didn't want Anyway, I lost my jersey. But this jersey, never lose. No mercy, no matter how forgetful you are, no matter how messed up you are, you can't lose your jersey. You're on the team. I love it. All right. Now, I want to show you something else about us. You know who us is? We're in the race. Let me show you something else about us. It's in chapter 5 of Hebrews. Let me show you this. Chapter 5, verse 1. I want to do some introductory stuff to get to where I'm going. So, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men. I feel like some of you are not with me. Hebrews 5, verse 1. For every high priest taken from among men is ordained for men and things pertaining to God. That he, the high priest, may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. Everybody look up here, look up here. Every high priest is taken from among men. He becomes a high priest. What does he do? He offers sacrifices and gifts for their sins. He offers sacrifice to God for their sins. The high priest does. Oh, mercy. Look at verse uh, uh, 4. And no man taketh this honor unto himself. But he that is called of God as was Aaron. See, Aaron didn't walk up to Moses and say, hey, Bubba, I think I should be like the priest, okay? Let's just settle the issue now. I'm the priest. No, Aaron did not make that decision. God made that decision. He was called of God. Is everybody with me? Humans do not get to tell God, hey, I will be the priest and you're going to have to bless it. No, uh, you don't do that. It's not taken upon themselves. Now, I want to show you. Look at verse uh, 5. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son, today have I begotten thee. Jesus himself, of all people that could have demanded to be the priest, the Bible says he did not take this upon himself, but God. God's the one that called him and said, This is my beloved son. Amen? No. I don't. Here's, here's my favorite part of this little piece. Every high priest is taken from among men that he may offer gifts and sacrifices to God. You know what that means? For Jesus to be our high priest, he had to become a man. Why did he come down here? So he could be our high priest. Is everybody with me? That's pretty simple. I love it. Jesus is our high priest. Bless his holy name. What does he do? He offered gifts and sacrifices for our sin. Oh, praise his name. Here we go. Look at verse 6. 
as he uh, as he saith also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So now he's bringing up this guy named Melchizedek, and Melchizedek is this priest according to the Bible. His priesthood, his priesthood, is an eternal priesthood. It's forever. That's what it says. So Jesus priest. Is anybody hearing this? Jesus' priesthood is going to be like forever too. Amen? He's after that order. There's much, much more involved in that. But that that's the simplicity part that's on the top of there. We'll look at that. Now look at verse 9. And being made perfect, this is Jesus. He became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. <laughs> Jesus is the high priest. He's called of God. He's offering all gifts and sacrifice for our sins. But he also, the Bible just said, he's also the author. Like, Pastor Alter didn't come up with this. It wasn't some, you know, body out there, some priest or some preacher or somebody that said, you know, I think that we uh, ought to come up with this idea of salvation. No, 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 no. The author is Jesus Christ. The author means he invented it. He started it. Somebody say amen. Yes. And I do love it that it does say, I didn't write it. It does say eternal. There you go. Sounds like it's going to last forever. Amen. Keep going. Look at verse 11. Of whom we have many things to say. Now, we could just stop there and just do this. I would say, when he says, of whom we have many things to say, that he's talking about Jesus Christ, our high priest. Some people might go, well, I think we're talking about Melchizedek. I don't think that's who they're talking about because it just says after the order of Melchizedek. Does it say of Mel- it's Melchizedek? It's just describing how Christ is a priest forever. It's eternal after the order. Is everybody with me? So he's talking about Christ. So look at verse 11 again. Oh, I love this. Of whom we have many things to say. Stop, 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 stop. Now, whom is Jesus? So the writer of Hebrews is saying, we got many things to say about Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus. We got many, many things to say about Christ. Who's he talking to? Hebrew people. Which Hebrew people? Hebrew people that are partakers. Excuse me, it sounds like to me that if you're a partaker, he's talking to you too. Of whom we have many things to say. I love how the Bible talks. Look at this. It says in verse uh, 11, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered. Stop, 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 stop. Do any of you believe that there are some things about the Lord, about Christ Jesus, uh, this thing's in the Bible, that, that some things are, well, some things are hard. Does anybody, for me, there's, there's, kind of, there's many things in the Bible that are kind of hard to get, hard to understand. Sorry, I, I know I'm a man of God, I'm a preacher, I'm supposed to know all this, but there's some stuff that's hard for me. Of many things we have to say, there's things are, some are hard to be uttered, and then it says, seeing that ye are dull. That's kind of a bummer. 
I got a lot of stuff I'd like to tell you about Jesus, but I sure can't do it because some of you are just dull. <laughs> I was just thinking about that. Do you think in the first century, when, when the writer wrote this, do you think in the first century that's the last time people were partakers and now we haven't had any dull since then? Or do you reckon we might have some dull around today? <laughs> I love it. Seeing that you're dull. I hardly, I've, I've met a couple of people that just will come right up to my face and go, Brother Dad, I'm one of them dull people. And most of us think, we got it together. But it doesn't say that they're dull because they're slow of learning. There is a fact, I'll just say it to your face, we are not all created equal. I've told your pastor, I, I, I would imagine it's probably a, a minimum of 30 times that he makes me sick. I've said it to his face, but I'm not doing it behind his back. He makes me sick. Because he is, his brain has many more elevator stories than mine does. Mine only goes up like three floors. His goes like way up there. I don't, I don't like it. It makes me mad. Why should he be able to read stuff and remember it? And I read it, and three weeks later I go, I don't even know if I've read that book or not. We're not all created equal. Some of us are more dull. But when it says dull here, it's not talking about dull in your ability to learn. He, in fact, says, seeing ye are dull of hearing. It's not that they can't learn it. It's not that they can't get it. They are dull of hearing. They are not listening. They're not catching it. I got many things to say to you about Jesus, but I can't say it because you don't listen. Everybody with me? It's all kinds of people that go, we use this, that go with one ear out the other. I don't even think it made it in the ear. So I'd like to tell you, I got lots of stuff to tell you about Jesus, but I can't. You guys don't listen. You're dull of hearing. Excuse me, since we're talking about it. Do you think there's people that possibly, possibly attend, oh, we'll just say, Grace Baptist Church in Sydney that might not listen much? Just saying it. I'm pretty sure it's still going on. Well, not me. So since you said that, I'll just look in the eye and say this to you. Okay. Don't be hearers only. No, no, I listen. I know everything. I hear it all. Well, that means uh, you're not supposed to be hearers only. But anyway, you're the one that said it. I didn't say that. You said that. Anyway, let's keep going. What's this? He says, of whom we have many things to say, hard to be uttered, seeing you're dull of hearing. Now, watch this. For when the time ye ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Look up here, look up here. He said, the time, by now, you should be a teacher. You're not. Amen? No, you're not getting it. Watch this. It's a metaphor about a race. In every race, in any race, there's supposed to be something called progress. 
No progress, not much of a race. Is everybody hearing me? He said, hey, Hebrew people, ye, you ought to be up here right now. You should have made some progress. You ought to be teachers. But we have to teach you the first principles of the oracles of God. Is everybody hearing me? Here we go again. Do you think the first century is the only time they had that trouble? Excuse me, some of you in this room, you've had your jersey a long time. You've had it a long time. And it could be true. It could be true that, whoa, you've made some really good progress. But now you don't make progress. I don't know if you've even heard this word, but is it a word that we use? Some of us actually backslide. And we ought, now we ought to be up there, but now they got to teach us again. Did anybody hear me? No. In this race that we are in, if you're born again, God gave you this jersey. He put you on the team. And the whole purpose is you're supposed to be making progress. Christianity is not something we get and go, well, that's pretty cool. I need to I need to go fishing. I need to go shopping. I need to and what what, what I'm getting at is that so many people they do make some progress, but then they stop or they get enamored with something else and they get their attention and focus other places and they're just they're not making progress. It's incredible how many people attend church. Oh, I've been going to church uh, 22 years. So. Our church has night services? Well, I didn't even know. Why would they have a night service? I mean, that's how a lot of people behave. Well, I, I can only make so much progress. Are you hearing what you're saying? You're saying you don't need to make the progress, or you're saying that you can't comprehend the progress? Anybody hearing me? We don't have church twice on Sunday just because we ain't got nothing else to do. Everybody hearing me? We don't have these Bible conferences occasionally because we're going, I just can't think of one more thing to add to our calendar. Why don't we have a Bible conference? Is everybody hearing me? The whole purpose of a Bible conference is to help people make progress. You know come, you know making progress. (laughs) Amen. Hmm. So, you get to evaluate your own progress. Some of you might say, I used to do really good, and lately I'm not. Or some of you might say, "I, uh, I don't, I, I don't even know if I've made any progress." Wherever you are, you got your jersey. If you are born again and you know it, friend, the race is supposed to happen in your life. Excuse me. I just while ago said we're not all created equal. We all don't run the same speed. Let's just read it real quick and move on. said, uh, you have need that one teach you again, middle verse 12, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. Watch this. And become such as have need of milk 
and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. Our churches often are full of people that got the jersey. They've been in church a long time. They've been the jersey a long time. And they're still babes. Since you brought it up. You're supposed to make progress. And he said you ought to be teachers. Remember that? I could never be a teacher. I don't want to make that much progress. Because I don't. I cannot. I can't be a teacher. Don't make me be a teacher. Please don't make me be a teacher. When he says you ought to be a teacher. He's not just identifying only as those who stand in front of others and give instruction. Your life should be an illustration, an example of the progress you've made, and it teaches others. Your children ought to see in your life that mom and dad have made progress in their Christianity, and I hope one day I can make progress like that. You never did get up and give a lesson. But there are those that are supposed to. Amen. Keep going. Uh, Verse 14, for strong meat, but strong meat belongs to them that are full of age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Well, there's so much inside that verse, but I'm not going to take time to do it. I've got to move on. But there, strong meat is available. But to get there, to have your senses, you've got to, like, be willing to be exercised. I know the kind of teacher I am, preacher I am. I think I do, and I know what I like to hear. Personally, I like to hear where it's really easy to understand. That helps me catch it. And if strong meat is only for those that it's hard to understand, I'm not probably ever going to get there. However, if I continue to grow in the milk and the bread and a little bit of meat, and I continue to grow and I continue to make progress, things that used to be hard might not be so hard anymore. Amen? I love the Holy Bible. I love it like that. All right. So, uh, there's another group of people that could be one of the us's. And I'm going to say it like this. There are another group out there. They're on the outside of the stadium. They're not in the stadium. Here's another way to say it. They don't have the jersey yet. They're not one of us yet. But here's the deal. They can be. The invitation is still available. The part You can be a partaker of the heavenly calling. It's still sounding loud and clear. You can be part of God's team on the race. You can be a Christian. You can know for sure you're a Christian if you'll be a partaker of the heavenly calling. So here's some exciting news. Ephesians chapter 2. Isn't that awesome? Ephesians 2. Here's what I want to put in your brain. Everybody, everybody gets in the race the same way. Look at it, verse 8, chapter 2, verse 8. 
For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourself. It is the gift of God. Ladies and gentlemen, doesn't matter who you are. I, I love this unholy Bible. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter what nationality you are. Doesn't matter what language you speak. Doesn't matter what country you live in. Doesn't matter how, how brilliant you are in the head. Everybody gets the jersey the same way. How do you get it? You got to realize you need it. A lot of people think, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm going to heaven. Oh, that's awesome. How come, how, how do you know you're going to heaven? Well, I deserve to. Well, that would be like the wrong answer. Because it's for by grace are you saved. Not of works. Not of, is everybody with me? Nothing you did that I deserve it. So it's a realization that I need salvation. Like I said at the beginning, you, you, I didn't even know I got a jersey. I didn't know I got put on a team. But I knew I was a sinner. I knew I'd come short of the holiness, the righteousness of God. I knew that. And I admitted it. Jesus wants to do the same thing for you. Just admit you know, I don't know for sure I'm forgiven. I don't know if I'll go to heaven or not. I want to. I'd like to. That's, I'm sitting in church on Sunday morning. Surely you know I'd like to go to heaven. Well, you got to admit you're not going. That you, you don't know how to get there. You're not sure that you're going. You have to admit it. You have to admit the reason you're, you need a Savior is because you're like a sinner. If you'll get to that place, then the Savior, when you admit you're a sinner and you come to him and just admit it. I'm a sinner. I know I am. Would you forgive me? He's never turned down anybody that came to him by faith. Would you forgive me? Come into my life. Save me. It's a hallelujah. He's never turned down anybody. You say, Brother Dave, stop it already. I'm already saved. I got my jersey. I can take you to the place where I got it. I'm happy for you. Let's just go ahead and settle it. You've been making progress. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Thank you for listening. Let's bow our heads, please. I'd like to pray with you. Our great God, I sure do love you. I want to tell you thank you so much. Thank you for the metaphors. Thank you for your word that is seeable, understandable. Thank you, Lord.